In this final episode of Reformed, we're going to explore the question, where should we go from here? Lots of reformers have lots of different ways to answer that question. civil rights activist Angela Davis advocated for prison abolition in her book, Are Prisons Obsolete? She and other abolitionists believe that prisons no longer serve the needs of communities and countries, but instead actively harm minority groups and society as a whole. Using the concept of the prison industrial complex, she argues that private corporations profit off of the expansion of the prison state at the expense of the lives of people of color and, increasingly, of women. Incarceration, she says, perpetuates American racial inequality based on the legacy of slavery. Most importantly, she says that incarceration does not decrease crime, but merely expands the range of activities that are considered criminal. Like many reformers, Davis imagines a world where America uses the capital currently invested in prisons to embark on projects that benefit disadvantaged people and communities. She says that we should develop, quote, an array of alternatives that will require radical transformations of many aspects of our society. She wants to reform schools, remove police presence from the classroom, expand educational opportunity, and combat the school-to-prison pipeline. Rather than criminalizing drug use, Davis calls for the decriminalization of drugs and the vast expansion of drug treatment programs. She also calls for the protection of women who have been imprisoned for fighting back against abusive partners, the restoration of welfare programs, establishing a livable minimum wage, and other programs targeted at social inequality. Davis's suggestions, while they are radical, target the root causes of mass incarceration. She suggests turning a system on its head. Instead of corporations profiting off punitive policies, she wants America to use that money to treat patterns of inequality. She asks us to imagine a world where, rather than the prison system perpetuating inequality, we create a new system aimed at establishing equality. Davis's approach is radical. Many activists aim at much smaller reforms. Saquon R. Merritt a justice reform advocate, entrepreneur, businessman, and formerly incarcerated person had ideas for how government policies can better help incarcerated people and improve the criminal justice system. Yeah, it's, 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 it seems like the answer has been the same forever, mm-hmm. but it seems like we can't, they don't want to locate funds to it. And that's um, education. You know, that's education, education. And now that that is the cliche answer that everybody knows. But now it's like you go deeper. What kind of education? What kind of education do we need? And the the kind of education is, um, you know, we have to be able to because a lot of problems are in urban communities, you know, Baltimore, Chicago. Uh, you know, New Orleans down, you know, a lot of these urban communities, and they wonder why, you know, why these schools are being deprived. 
But um, we have to figure out a way to grab their attention. We have to modernize education to curdle or pique the interest of uh, adolescents. So when they when they come up, they can see past that environment, you know, that that negative environment and those uh, negative uh, all of those circumstances that they're surrounded by in their in their neighborhood. Um, so that's 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 number one. That's number one. I know you heard it was the the uh, the elementary the prison pipeline. Um, so we we got to start from there. Because if if the the home isn't right, because of you know, the cocaine in the eighties and the big drug epidemic, and you know people like me, uh, you know fathers incarcerated, and you know you have the broken home, school is the next thing after the community. After they walk past the guy selling drugs, and you know the people getting high and things of that nature, they're walking to where they're walking to school. So, boom, this is your next best thing to try to curdle their uh their future mm-hmm. to not revolving and um uh, we got to find a way to pique their interest one of, i mean one of the things that you know i i i speak about man <laughs> but i can't it's just it's a concept <laughs> um is um it seems like hip hop artists mm-hmm. the the rap industry the uh R&B, the pop industry, has the attention. This, that's the escape from the community. That's the escape, you know, music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like, for me, something geared around that because they are, they are pretty much the role models. So uh, I, I'm thinking more of a business, a business education surrounded around that music industry mm-hmm. would open a light bulb in a lot of these kids and grab these kids' attention mm-hmm. when they're, when, you know, when they're in school, you know, because they hear the music, the phones go off, you see them as they walk to school, they start dancing, mm-hmm. smiling, things of that nature. So, okay, this is what got your mindset right here. Mm-hmm. So let me try to nurture that. Let me try to use education in, uh, in, a, in a light or something surrounded around music or uh, hip-hop. Um, and curdle it towards a legitimate business that will be, um, that will not only, I mean, because that's the first thing. They got to like, they got to want to do it. Mm-hmm. And they got to enjoy it. They got to enjoy that career in that. And then, you know, the second thing is obviously is it gives you a financial stability, whereas though you can see yourself, and I don't want to keep saying out of the community, because that's how I used to look at it before I see that. I think that's the problem. Leaving out of the community, but bettering mm-hmm. your community. Yeah better in the community. Conservatives view mass incarceration as an issue of government overreach. With such a large percentage of American citizens held in detention facilities, small government activists claim that we must end mass incarceration as a way to end the control that the federal government exerts over incarcerated people's lives and opportunities. 
other right-leaning reform advocates believe that criminal justice reform is necessary because the government spends its money inefficiently. While we discussed in Episode 3 the economic conundrums that prisons pose, many conservatives believe that by reducing the size of the carceral system, we can spend funds more efficiently and improve long-term outcomes for incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people, reducing recidivism and reducing the time that people spend in contact with the justice system. Potential prison reforms range from the practical to the idealistic. Authors Natasha Frost, Todd Clear, and Carlos Montiero propose a number of common-sense policy reforms aimed at some of the largest drivers of mass incarceration drug crimes, sentence length, and recidivism on technical violations. They suggest that we should approach drug abuse as a public health crisis, providing treatment instead of incarceration. They want to abolish mandatory sentences and reduce the length of all prison sentences, which will address one of the current dilemmas of the prison system. Long-term isolation from mainstream society and the open workforce. To tackle recidivism, the authors believe that we should eliminate recidivism enhancements, which allow repeat offenders to have longer sentences than first-time offenders. They also believe that criminal records should expire over time and that people should not return to prison for technical violations. As we discussed in Episode 4, technical violations drive recidivism rates and often occur as a result of unclear or extremely restrictive requirements associated with parole and probation. Other authors, like Judge Robert Sweet and James Thompson, think that judges could drive criminal justice reform. They urge judges to reflect on the effects of charging, sentencing, alternative sentencing, and reentry, and to become informed on criminal justice issues. While certain impositions, like mandatory minimum sentences, check judges' discretion, People serving as judges, Sweet and Thompson believe, should be informed and concerned about the long-term implications of their actions. Professor Joshua Miller also had recommendations for how the average person can get more involved with criminal justice reform. People should educate themselves uh, about the issues. They should um, use criminal justice policies and especially um, tough on crime policies as a litmus test for the, the politicians that they vote for. Um, and they shouldn't vote for people who um, seem like they want to be tough on crime. Uh, in fact, they should discourage that. Um, people should, if they can, get involved in the kinds of volunteer programs like the one that I started at Jessup Correctional Institution. Um, they should seek ways to engage with the partial institutions around them, um, which might just mean figuring out where they are and how they can be of use. It might mean um, engaging with um, the families of incarcerated individuals um, who are not evenly distributed, but rather um, tend to be uh, African-American and urban and thus um, facing a, a number of other challenges as well as the having an incarcerated family member, um, but we shouldn't abandon those people. Uh, ordinary people can hire formerly incarcerated um, workers, and they should deliberately choose not to stigmatize that kind of identity. Um, but uh, and we should 
we should sort of take very seriously um, the idea that a lot of what has driven the prison system is a combination of our fear and our desire. Our fear of violence, which has caused us to punish violence and violent criminals uh, at a much higher rate and uh, for much longer sentences than is reasonable. Um, and so we should reduce uh, sentences specifically for violent crimes um, to much lower levels. Uh, and so we need to sort of tamp down our fear and come come to grips with um, the vulnerability that we experience that will do anything to someone else to alleviate. And people should also recognize that a large amount of the violence of um, that that sort of underwrites the criminal justice system is funded by um, the black market and especially the black market for illegal drugs. Um, Daniel Allen calls it the parastate. Um, she, as she explains in her book, because um, uh, the the parastate in the United States is so well funded, it's about it's like having two CIA's operating um, insurgency in our country, and that is completely funded by illegal drugs, and so we should uh, deliberately choose not to use illegal drugs. Um, rather than have those profits go towards funding um, funding violence, which they don't always, but they often do. Other authors call for us to transform the way our society responds to violence. Danielle Sered writes, We cannot incarcerate